This morning we can't wait to look at God's Word. We look this morning in John chapter 20, beginning with verse 24. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them, that's the other disciples, when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in my hands the marks of the nails, and place my finger in the marks of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they have believed. Now Jesus did many other things in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. As we dive into the message this morning, uh, I guess the question that I want to ask you is kind of one of the questions for uh, 2022. Uh, did you play Wordle yet? Any, anybody play uh, the, the game that everybody's been playing on their phone? You're trying to guess the letters, and if you get the letter right, uh, it'll give you, if it's in the right, if the word is, if the letter's in the word, you get a yellow box. If, you, if you've got it in the right place, you get a green box, and you want to get the word right. And so we've been thinking about the Gospel of John really this entire calendar year so far. And so this morning, I kind of wonder if the Gospel of John were a word puzzle, uh, what, what would that word puzzle uh, look like? Uh, I think that word puzzle might, might look something uh, like this. You, you kind of pull some of the words together there, and you try to pull that together. Uh, one of the things that we have been saying about the Gospel of John, uh, really from the opening chapter, is that the entire book is about believing. And so it's really no surprise to us that when we come here to what is the grand finale of the Gospel of John, when we come here to these closing verses of this main section of the Gospel of John, he comes back one more time and he says, I write these things to you so that you may believe, and but by believing that you may have life. And in fact, as we take a look at this last chapter, uh, chapter 20, what we're looking at here is that we are seeing this person believes and this person believes. It is a story about belief on every single page. But I guess I wonder this morning, what if belief is a little beyond your reach today? Oh, what if reach is a little bit beyond where you can get to? Sometimes on that word puzzle, you just need a few more guesses before you can reach that time limit, and you just can't quite solve it. You can't quite get to believe. Maybe this morning you've just never believed. Man, it's just part of your dynamic. That's part of your story. That's part of your journey. You've never believed. I overheard some folks talking this week, and they were declaring uh, the, that basically their belief in God and their belief in aliens was about the same thing. 
Uh, they, they just didn't have enough evidence to believe in either one. And in fact, we, we probably have folks, and I don't know whether they're here today, but it's very possible that we have people that are more likely to believe in aliens than they are to believe in God. And so maybe as you come this morning, belief is a little beyond your reach because you just don't believe. Uh, maybe this morning belief is a little bit beyond your reach because your belief just needs to be refreshed. There, there was a time in which you did believe. There was a time in which you did believe and it rearranged your entire life. But man, that feels like a long time ago. And it feels kind of distant. And that, that idea of belief being central to your life, to your patterns, priorities, and purpose, that seems like a world away. So maybe you're here this morning and, and you just don't believe. Or, or maybe it, it feels like belief was a long time ago. And I think it's possible that, that you might be here this morning and you've just been on the edge of belief what feels like your whole life. You're not one of those folks that doesn't believe. You're not one of those folks that, that feels disconnected from it, but it feels like you've been stalled in the same spot in terms of belief as long as you can remember. You're not opposed. You're, you're not angry about it, but for whatever reason, there's one last step that you've never been able to, to make. I, I got to think that if you're one of those folks this morning You've kind of come this morning with a strategy that says smile and survive. Smile and survive. You're going to come to church this morning and, and it's just going to be about belief and everyone's going to be talking about belief. And, and, and for you this morning, it might be that a Sunday like today, being in church can be someplace between annoying, awkward, and, and maybe even discouraging. What I want you to know this morning is John chapter 20 is a great chapter about belief. But before it becomes a chapter about belief, it's a chapter about unbelief. You see, every single person that we're going to meet inside of this chapter, before they became a person who believed, they were a person of unbelief when it came to the resurrection. Every single person that we're going to talk to this morning, their experience that was when they first heard about the resurrection, their reaction was, nope, nope. We just read the last part of the chapter, but if you go back and take a look at the whole chapter, John chapter 20 this morning, the first people that we meet are Peter and John, and they run to the tomb, and they encounter that empty tomb. We, we, we meet Mary Magdalene, who stands in the garden surrounding the tomb and, and weeps in her pain and in her loss. And then we meet Thomas who's on the outside looking in, who has not experienced the same thing that everybody else has experienced. I want you to know that before belief, it always begins with unbelief. And so I want to take a look at these characters a little bit and see their story this morning and, and think about what it takes to believe and maybe some of the things that stand in the way from you and I believing this morning. One of the things that, that I would point out is that for some people, 
they do not believe until the dots finally connect. They, they, they do not believe until the dots suddenly just fall in place. I, I think about Peter and John. Now Peter and John, two of Jesus' closest disciples. Hey, in fact, when there's rumors about what's going on at the tomb that Easter Sunday morning, they, they run and they tell Peter and John, and they, they run out to the tomb, full sprint as fast as they can. John arrives at the tomb first, and he pokes his head in to the tomb and tries to look and understand the circumstances. The report was that the stone has been moved. This is strange. Something is going on. And John gets there and he can confirm that yes, the, the, the stone has been removed. Peter finally uh, arrives. He's a little slower than John. And, and he doesn't just stop at the entryway to the tomb, but he bursts into the tomb. And John follows and they begin to investigate together what is going on here? One of the things that they, that they deal with is that they find the grave clothes. Sometimes I find it interesting that there's so much emphasis on the grave clothes and the fact that they were folded and things like that. But part of this issue is that I think that the first thing, and we're going to see it in the text, one of the first things that they're dealing with is that they think the grave, that the stone has been moved. Somebody has stolen Jesus, either in meanness, either as a prank. Some way, they have stolen Jesus. And, and so when they're processing this, they say the stone has been moved. Jesus' body is missing. He is gone. But one of the things they're dealing with is the fact that the, the grave clothes are, are folded and neatly put away. It, it is as though somebody were to break into a jewelry store and, and break the glass, and the glass shatters everywhere. But before they run off with the jewels, they, 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 they get a, a broom and, and, and a dustpan and clean up all the broken glass before they leave. That, my understanding, I, I've never broken into a jewelry store, but I don't think that's the best way to go about doing it. If, if you're in a hurry, you, you leave a mess behind. But with Jesus, the grave clothes were neat, orderly, there was no hurry. This was not a break-in. This was not a smash and grab. Now what it tells us is that when they saw these grave clothes and they saw the empty tomb and they saw the stone moved away, there, there's an interesting sentence that says, and they believed. But the next sentence says, but they did not understand what Jesus had said about how he must rise again. And then the next sentence is, and so they went back to their house. Now, I'm not sure exactly the depth of their belief that's captured in this moment. I'm not sure if it isn't that they believed Mary who said the tomb has been disturbed. Really? Are you sure? Are you at the right tomb? All of those kinds of questions that they could ask. It may be that their question is simply, they believe that Mary was right. Something has happened in this place. Because they still don't understand that Jesus had said that he must rise from the dead. But I think the thing that, that, that makes me wonder about the depth of their belief is, Okay, Jesus rose again. Let's go back to the house. Let's just go back to normal. Something tells me that in this process, that belief had not fully hit them. And I think sometimes, many of us, belief just takes some time. 
In fact, I believe that Peter and John believed more on their way back to their house than they did in the middle of that tomb. I think on their way back to their houses, on their way back to where they were going, they would begin to go, well, Jesus had said this, and he said something about three days, and the stone which nobody could move by themselves is gone, and it certainly didn't give any evidence of a break-in or anything like that. And Jesus did talk about the need for resurrection. Not just that resurrection was a possibility, not just that a resurrection was something that could happen, but he said that his work would not be completed until he rose again. And I think that as they walked, I think as the rest of that day unfolded, I think as the day passed, they began to believe more and more. I think that's the case with, with some of us sometimes. I think that there are a handful of people that the first time they hear the story about Jesus and his love for us and his perfection and the fact that he died on the cross for us and he rose again to rescue us from our sin and our brokenness and our rebellion. I think that there are some people that the first time that they hear the facts of that story that they say, yes, I believe. In fact, that may be your story. There, there, there may be some folks that are here this morning. The first time that you ever remember someone telling you about Jesus, you said, yes, that's me. I believe. But I think for many people, you hear it, and it stays with you, and you chew on it, and you think about it, and you begin to think about some of the other pieces of your life, and you begin to compare it with, with other parts of the story. And it's over the passage of time that the dots begin to connect. And while you may not believe the first time you hear it, there comes a time, whether it's on your way home from church, whether it's working in the yard, standing on a mountain, wherever it may be, that you say, I know, I believe. I think some people do not believe until they hear the voice of Jesus calling for themselves. Peter and John ran to the tomb. They inspect the tomb. And then they go home. I'm still puzzled by that. They just go home. But Mary, Mary Magdalene, who was the, the first person to see that the stone was rolled away and she had been the person who went and told Peter and John and Peter and John came back Mary she stayed she stayed but she stayed not because of her belief but she stayed because of her grief you see Jesus had rescued her life her, her life had been consumed in evil and by evil. Scripture tells us that she had been filled with multiple evil spirits. And the abuse that she had received from the inside by those evil spirits and probably the abuse that she had received from the outside by people who looked down on her and took advantage of her. And then Jesus came. 
and released her from the bondage of those evil spirits and treated her as a real, live person with worth and value. Jesus wasn't a character in her life. Jesus was the character in her life. Her whole life depended on what Jesus had done for her in the past and was continuing to do for her life. And then she watched Jesus be nailed to a cross, buried in a tomb, sealed behind a stone, and she grieved, and she wept, and there was no amount of good news that was good enough to cover the hurt and the pain that she felt. In fact, she looks back into the tomb, and when she looks back into the tomb, there are two angels sitting there. And the angels say, who are you looking for? She said, I'm looking for my Lord. Have you taken him someplace? She is so distraught that she does not even recognize these are angels. She thinks they're just two people around. Now, most of the time when people see an angel, they fall on their knees, often in fear because the encounter with an angel is so profound. But, but Mary can't, doesn't even recognize the presence of the angels through her grief. And then she senses the presence of someone standing behind her. She turns around and presumes that this is someone who is a gardener, a caretaker for this plot of, of ground where the tomb is, is located. And she looks at him and says, do you know where they have taken my Lord? Can you tell me? They, they, they've taken him. Somebody, Just tell me where you've taken him and I'll bring him back. I will take care of him. I will take him off your hands. Just tell me where he is, whatever reason, whatever your motivation was for stealing Jesus, just give him back and I will take care of him. She missed the angels. Angels sitting right there. She missed it. Her grief was so deep. And now, it's not the gardener, but it is the resurrected Jesus himself and her grief and her pain is still so strong she still can't see Jesus who is standing in front of him in the flesh now we can kind of say come on Mary it was Jesus he was right there but it's really hard to expect that you're going to meet Jesus after the funeral it's really hard to see that coming. But then Jesus says Mary. And the way that he said Mary, the way that he said her name, the way that she recognized that voice, she clutched hold of Jesus with all that she had. And she said, I believe. It wasn't until she heard him call her name. Now, I would say to you, it may be that some folks do not believe 
until they've had that same kind of personal encounter with Jesus in their own lives where, where Jesus has called your name. Now again, we're going to kind of fall in two different places here. There, there, there may be some folks that are here this morning that are going to say, well, well, Jesus just doesn't do that anymore. Hearing audible voices. We, we, we don't hear Jesus call in that same way. But I'm going to say maybe we do and we don't pay attention like we should. Maybe it's not necessarily an audible voice. But I think that there are many times to a believer and to an unbeliever that the Spirit of Jesus comes and stirs inside of your heart and your soul and your spirit. And there is a supernatural calling on your life that is specific to you. And in that moment, you have a choice to either recognize that that is the living Jesus standing before you and calling your name. Or whether you look past the angels, you look past Jesus, and you pass it off as something else. Some people do not believe until they've heard that same living Jesus call their name. I would say it's very possible that even in this morning that Jesus is going to call your name. He's going to stir inside of you. He is going to pull, and there is going to be a draw on your life that is beyond the voices of this room. And there will be an opportunity for you to say yes or an opportunity for you to just push that voice aside and miss it like the angels, miss it like Jesus, miss it and miss it and miss it even though the living Jesus is speaking to you this morning. I think some people do not believe. Some people do not believe until they have processed it for themselves. We don't know exactly how it all worked after the resurrection, but Jesus would appear and then he'd be gone. And then he would appear and then he'd be gone. And he'd show up here and he'd show up here and show up here. And one of the times that Jesus showed up was with the disciples, maybe in the same upper room where they had had the last supper. Maybe it was in a different room. But whatever it was, it was they were in that room and the doors were locked because like whatever happened to Jesus might happen to them. And so they are still a, a group of frightened people. And in that room, Jesus appears. And it says the disciples were pleased. I bet they were. I mean, they were stunned. They were shocked. But here it was, Jesus in the room with them. And maybe it took a few minutes to believe, but, but they have, Jesus, they, they maybe asked some questions. You know, how many people did we feed? And, and uh, you know, how, how, how many people did you heal this way? And they're like, that's Jesus. The only thing is, there, there was one guy missing. <laughs> I, I don't know if he went out to take a walk. I, I don't know where he went. I don't know if he decided to go get lunch. I don't know. But Thomas wasn't there. Can you imagine that? Everybody got to see Jesus except you. And so when they come and they meet with Thomas, they tell Thomas the story, and Thomas says, I don't think so. You may believe, but I don't believe. You may have had this experience, but I didn't have that experience. In fact, Thomas says, 
until I can put my hands in the wounds of his hands and until I can put my hand in the side that was pierced there on the cross Thomas says I will never believe now I can understand that a little bit from Thomas there's just we have different personalities and, and there's a little bit of this that, that I can even understand and maybe even respect because basically what Thomas said is just because you believe it doesn't mean I have to believe it just because I'm surrounded by a group of people who believe this does not necessarily mean that I'm compelled to believe this you've had an experience that's not my experience I don't have to believe what you believe well Jesus showed up again and this time Thomas is in the room and Jesus walks straight to Thomas <laughs> it's almost as though Jesus says I heard you were looking for me and he puts his hands out man what do you think Thomas thinks in this moment but Jesus says go ahead put your hands in the wounds place your hand in my side it says that Peter Thomas cried out my Lord and my God it's one of the strongest declarations of faith that we actually find in scripture my Lord the one who is the master over my life who is my God my Lord and my God you see Thomas wasn't going to take secondhand faith just because the guy down the street just because his parents just because a cousin just because of whatever someone else believed that wasn't going to be his belief. He had to come to that question himself and he had to make his own decision for himself irrelevant of what anyone else believed. This was Thomas's belief story. I would say to you, there's something that's good and right that. You can't ride on someone else's belief. You can't ride on someone else's coattails at some point in time it's you at some point in time the living Jesus presents himself in front of you and says do you believe now here's the thing I believe that it's right and good to have your own faith story and believe it for yourself but I also believe you've got to handle that question yourself you can't say well I'm not gonna believe just because someone else believes that's fine but you also have to pursue it with an open and an honest heart and say what is it that I know about Jesus and is it true and is it worthy for me to put my life in that place sometimes it's not easy to believe 
But I think that there does come a time when there are nudges on our heart that says it's time to believe. I, I think about belief that, that begins with the idea that there's something more than just the limits of my life and what I see. Can you imagine going to the highest point in Tangipahoe, which I understand is the landfill? <laughs> Can you understand going to the highest point in Tangipahoe, standing there at the peak of Tangipahoe, <laughs> and looking to the east, to the west, to the north, and the south? It's a clear day. You can see for miles. But can you imagine coming to the conclusion that the only thing that exists in the world are the things that I can see from the top of that landfill? To not understand that there are things that we cannot see that are beyond our experience, that require greater vision than what we have. I would say that belief comes to understand that there is more than what I can see standing at the highest point of my life. There's more. And it is Jesus who came here for real, lived a life for real, rose again for real, and calls your name. So what do we do with this this morning? Well, one of the things, I want to invite you to believe. I, I want to invite you to move from unbelief to belief. I, I want that to happen in your life today. And, and while I don't want to put you on a spot, there are some moments in life that are worth dropping a pin and say, I need to remember this moment. And so this morning, I would just ask that you kind of bow your heads and close your eyes. Just we want to create a place where, where we might be able to drop a pin that says, I believe. And it's possible that you came into church this morning awkward or annoyed or discouraged by all of the belief talk. But maybe this morning the Spirit of God has called you and you have moved from unbelief to belief. If that's your story this morning, I just want you to drop a pin and the, the way that I want you to do that is I just want you to raise your hand. Nobody else should see. It's no one else's business. It's not really for me, but it's just a way that you can say, I want to remember this moment. So if you've moved from unbelief to belief. Would you just raise a hand? Raise a hand. Thank you. Maybe this morning it's not that you've never believed, but maybe this morning it is that belief seems a long ways away and you need to have your belief refreshed. And that belief can be refreshed by moving belief back to the center of your patterns and your priorities and your purpose. 
If this morning the, the pen that you need to drop, the marker that you need to place is that that you're seeking a rebirth of your belief. Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Would you raise your hand? Drop a pen and say, this Easter Sunday, I renew my belief. And then maybe this morning it's as simple and as practical as knowing I need to be in church not just when somebody invites me, not just when it's a church holiday, but my life I know is stronger when church is part of my routine. And maybe the pin that you need to drop this morning is, I know that I need to get back to making church part of my life, whether it's disrupted by time and busyness, by COVID, by whatever it is. Maybe this morning the pin that you need to drop is, I need to make this a regular part of my life. Would you raise your hand if that's the pin that you want to drop this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would be at work this morning. I pray that you'd continue to be at work. Lord, I pray that there'd be things that we have learned from your word this morning that will not just last through this service, the Lord would stick with us and encourage us and direct us and build us up. Lord, I pray these things in your name. Brian's going to lead us. We're going to sing together. Uh, at the end of the service, I'm going to be at the back table back there. Would love to talk to you in any way about anything that you want to talk about spiritually or anything else. But Brian, lead us.